Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome to a sad Houston Cougars Miami Sweet 16 postgame show. Robert along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. A frustrating, disappointing, awful end of the season for the team that was number one in the country much of the year, Sean. I don't know how to start this out. What do you want to talk about, man? I, I think uh, the biggest story here, I mean, obviously the upset, but it's how they did it. You know, this was almost like they stepped up to the plate and they said, you know what? We're not here to look at pitches. We're going to take some big swings and try to knock this sucker out of the park. And I thought Miami, you know, if anybody uses the word shell-shocked, I think that's wrong because I don't think the Cougars were shell-shocked at all. I just think they flat out got beat by a better team that was much more efficient that made the Cougars play their game. And I even wrote about it, you know, ahead of this one. I said, you know, I expect this to be an open court kind of game, up and down, fast-paced, and that's not entirely the way that I like to see the Cougars play. Um, they got to slow it down. They got to move the ball. Um, you know, they're really good um, executing their offense in that regard when and when shots aren't falling for them slowing it down a little bit. And the Cougars were not able to stop the bleeding tonight, but Miami, they just created chaos all over the floor. And if anything, you know, you could use the word shell shocked just by how well the Hurricanes continued to shoot the three ball. Con- contested, uncontested, I mean, it didn't matter. They were just nailing shots left and right. And the Cougars, you know, from about that five to four, maybe three and a half minute mark in the second half where you thought, you know what? If they just continue to miss some shots, the Hurricanes, because at one point they threw up three straight threes in a row and they missed them, and the Cougars kept trying to claw back. They cut a 17-point deficit down to about 11, and you said, hey, if they could just hit a shot, man, and get a stop, this could really become a ball game in a very short amount of time. But they just could not get in a flow offensively, and that's all due credit to Miami just creating chaos all over the floor. You know, you can talk about the fact that, you know, they were hitting all those three-pointers, and I get it, and yeah, they were. But you hit all those three-pointers because it's a layup line inside, and the Cougars' interior defense wasn't that good in the last round. I, I have not been as impressed with this Cougar defense interior-wise through this later part of the season, and it has been a concern. And one of the things that you might notice on the Cougs box score Jerace Walker was four for 16 shooting. But the biggest issue in my mind wasn't offense from Jerace Walker, wasn't defense from Jerace Walker, because Jerace Walker brought it. He had 11 rebounds, four blocks, five assists. Jawan Roberts was invisible. He had two points, two rebounds, and I don't even know what happened to him. In the last round, he probably missed three layups. Missed more this time. Don't know if it's health, Sean, or what, but the interior defense was as bad as you'll see from this program. Yeah, and, you know, what I think Miami did really well to kind of exploit the Cougars uh, defensively is they spread them out. And the Cougars played so far up on their men that when they beat a guy off the dribble and made one pass or – Um, you know, took that screen and roll and attacked the basket. The help defense was, you know, so far pressed up on their man onto the perimeter. 
it took a long time for them to get back down into the paint and contest some shots. And they were late or Miami made some pretty nifty moves or made an extra pass, you know, around the defender. And that's kind of what I took from that. I, 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 at this point in time, I don't think health is a reasonable excuse because everybody's banged up, you know, at various points this, you know, you know this stage of the season. So, you know, health, forget about that. I mean, look I, at what. I, I just thought I, I saw Juwan Roberts. He he wasn't even contesting a couple of times. He was kind of looking. He looked confused. There's a guy right at the rim, and he doesn't like Walker was contesting. He was just missing. It was just out of his reach sometimes. But the blocks were there. I mean, he had some moments defensively. Sure. And yeah. one of the – I just got to go to one thing, Sean. You know, a few weeks ago, I had on Sam Raz from the Scott Holman Podcast. They do, those guys do a tremendous job covering the Cougars. And one of the things that I said in that podcast was, this rebounding Cougars team is not the rebounding Cougars team I've seen from the past. And, and you know, he said, well, the percentage-wise or whatever, I'm looking with my own two eyes, and it's just the hustle rebounds that this team doesn't get that the other teams do. And we talk about Tremont Mark and Sasser and, you know, Jamal Shedd. The the issue, though, is those three guys are all small. They're not scrappers. you got three small guys on the court. So everything's got to be made up with those other two bigs. They've got to do all the dirty work because, you know, as, as, as much as those other three guys might hustle, they don't have the physicality. They don't have the height. They don't have the toughness. And I said you missed a guy like Ramon Walker. And people have said, oh, Ramon Walker, he's not any good. He doesn't do anything offensively. That guy, I don't know what happened to him this year, but last year he was everywhere. He was fighting for every loose ball. He was fighting for every rebound. I thought that was going to matter. I just thought, man, this Cougar team, it's flashy. It's prettier than a lot with all these guys that can score in a McDonald's All-American, but it's not the Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson type scrappy defense and scrappy rebounding team that I'm used to. Yeah, look, and the numbers lend itself out. I mean, they've been an elite rebounding team, you know, all season long, and it's something that they've really been proud of. And coming into this game, you know, there were two things that they needed to do really, really well. And that is, one, not allow second chance points. And they did a pretty good job of that in the first half. Um, And they even won the offensive glass. They won the rebounding battle tonight. But they couldn't allow second chance points and they 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 did a pretty admirable you know job in that regard but it's also about those hustle rebounds that you're talking about you know Miami still had six offensive rebounds tonight and they did have some opportunities in which the Cougars could have had a lot more than their 11 offensive rebounds but the ball just didn't bounce their way or they didn't box out or they were late you know attacking the glass following a shot and getting getting those scrappy rebounds, creating second possessions and third possessions that we're used to seeing. I didn't see that tonight from this team either. Um, And I I also think that was kind of due in part to Miami really doing a hell of a job in transition and getting back down the floor after getting a defensive stop. So I almost think there was some hesitation there by the Cougars to try to extend a possession, if you will, and give that second and third effort, you know, for a loose ball or, you know, a tough rebound. And they really tried their best to kind of get back. And Miami was just, you know, superior, you know, athletically tonight, hustle-wise, effort, and the most important, you know, and I talked about this plenty uh, in my article leading up to this game, just being efficient. 
you know, obviously they knocked down the shots, but it was the shots they were taking. It was the shots that they were creating for themselves. I'd like to go back and look at the final numbers of these, some advanced statistics, and just see how many contested opportunities the Cougars had inside the arc versus the Hurricanes. And I'm willing to bet you that it far outweighs the Houston Cougars for the open looks that the Hurricanes got inside the arc, and particularly in the paint today. And that's where they really won this battle. They outscored the Cougars 14-4 to in the first half with points in the paint. I don't know what the second half numbers say, but I do know what the final score says. And I did watch this game intently, and the Hurricanes just did not let up off the gas the entire game. They deserve to win. Uh, they deserve to be an Elite Eight team. And unfortunately, like Kelvin Sampson said coming into this one, look, if we play good, we'll move on. If we don't play good, that's the end of the season for us. And unfortunately, the latter's the case. If you're out there and watching us, jump in the comments. We want to hear from you. We're going to react to, to that as we go along. Sean, another part of this team that's just been a red flag for me, we've seen it in the conference tournament. I saw it especially late in the season. I saw it early in the NCAA tournament. You got to start the game off like you're going to take a team out. You chop them out at the knees. If you let them hang around, sooner or later, one of these teams is good enough. And the deeper you get into the tournament, the, the more chance is that one of those teams is going to go, you know what? Thanks. We'll take the 10-point lead, and we can hold you off from here. You you you, you didn't want to come out and play ball, and, and, and the Cougars have done that for you know the last couple months of the season. It's land of opportunity, and at this stage of the season, you know, the, the conference tournament becomes about, you know, details um, and execution and discipline, and teams can be very opportunistic when they're able to identify, you know, some mismatches, you know, whether it be offensively or defensively or just, you know, from a physicality standpoint on how they literally match up to their opponent, and I thought, you know, Miami did a really good job tonight of identifying, you know, some of that with what we talked about, kind of neutralizing Juwan Roberts and really neutralizing uh, Jamal Shedd in the first half, who was held scoreless, you know, offensively had a really productive second half. But, you know, the Cougars just couldn't buy a bucket uh, from beyond the arc in the second half. And a lot of the shots that they did take, I think they attempted, uh, what, nine or ten three-pointers when it was all said and done in the second half, and maybe they made two or three. Um, and I might be a little generous there, but they were contested shots. They were four shots. Even some of the looks that Jarris Walker had in the lane, um, you know, he, he knocks those down more times than not, but it just seemed like he was pressing. And the Cougars, once that seven, eight-minute mark hit and they were down, you know, 15, 16, 17 points, it was almost like, you know, the anxiety set in. And they pressed a little bit and they didn't play their game. And I really thought that was the first time all season where you saw them affected by the opponent and just unable um, to to kind of, uh, you know, volley back, if you will, return the serve. They it almost felt like as you were watching the game boy, they sensed just the, the, the clock going tick, 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 tick. And there just wasn't enough time. And there might not have been enough time in this ballgame, Robert. Miami, I think, was just that good. They deserve to win this one. Yeah, you got to hat tip them. I mean, they shot 51% from the floor, 44% from three, 84% from the line. They just were lights out no matter what it was. Cougs were good from the line, 90%, but 29% from three. They were nine for 31. Yep. And the three guys that took the most shots for the Houston Cougars, Jer Jarris Walker, 
It's Ramon Mark, Marcus Sasser. Walker was four for 16. Mark was four for 13. Sasser was four for 12. It's rough. It's a rough looking box score. It is. And, you know, most of that inefficiency, you know, came in the second half when I said, you know, they, they were just pressing because, you know, hey, Sasser and Walker uh, and Mark, they all got off to pretty good starts. Um, they didn't start the game like I really wanted them to. And I'm talking about, you know, collectively as a team. And I warned you about this after watching that Hurricanes and Hoosiers game, you know, a couple of nights ago, just Miami, they just look like, you know, a drag race. I mean, they just ran all over the place on the Hoosiers and really established the tone. And I thought the Cougars tonight, you know, did a okay job of kind of, um, you know, keeping pace with them and being able to play their style of basketball. But when the Cougars aren't hitting their shot, it becomes very difficult, you know, to uh, match a team like this, you know, punch for punch. I really think that this was a part of the game plan. I'm kind of interested to hear, um, you know, Miami's head coach talk about this one after the game and what exactly, you know, his philosophy was going into this one and and game plan was. I, I just think, like I'd said, you know, you're going to step up to the plate and you're going to swing out of your shoes. If you hit the ball, great. If you don't, great. I get three more, you know, I get two more chances at this thing. And they were trying to hit the damn ball out of the ballpark. And unfortunately for the Cougars, they did tonight. Yeah, I'll throw up uh, the comment from uh, MA Texas who says 89 is a yeah. crazy amount of points in college basketball, let alone a defense. It is. Like the Cougs do allow. And, and you know, Sean, you, you look at this Cougars run and you just never seen them carved up like this over the last few years. I mean, wh when was the last time you see, is this before Calvin Sampson? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's going back. I mean, at least on a stage like this, I mean, you haven't seen it. Um, maybe Baylor, you know, um, that yeah, I can recall in the, right. in the tournament. I mean, that that felt like maybe the most helpless that any Kelvin Sampson team probably has ever felt. You know, it was that Baylor game where it was just a snowball effect. You just you couldn't get out of your own way. And tonight, it had a similar feel to it, but, you know, Miami, again, they, this is where they might have trouble, you know, as they get even now deeper into this tournament, you know, in the Elite Eight, and if they make it to the Final Four, I don't know, they might have some problem with this. It's it's about managing a game and being a little bit more disciplined, because I thought, again, very easily, the Hurricanes could have, you know, squandered the opportunity you know, really anywhere from about the seven and a half minute mark to about the three and a half minute mark where the Cougars at any one point in time were down by their largest deficit, I believe, was 17 points. And they hovered around 11, 12, but they were just not disciplined. They they continued to play that up and down fast paced style, moving the ball around some careless passes, you know, some pretty questionable decisions. Uh, trying to beat guys off the dribble and things like that. Instead of playing good disciplined basketball, slow things down and kind of, you know, force the issue a little bit, make the Cougars make a play defensively. I thought the Cougars, man, they were, they, they got some stops. They just could not capitalize offensively. And if the Hurricanes run into a team that's clicking, you know, on all cylinders, like they did, in fact, themselves a number of times tonight, and for the most most part of the game, this is where they could wind up in some trouble and, and maybe get bounced in the Elite Eight or a Final Four or something like that. But I know this, they're a really, really good team, and they, they're exactly who we were afraid they were going to be tonight, which is 
an exceptional offensive ball club, which they've been showing off here recently in the last probably four or five games, just putting on clinics with their shooting. I mean, it looks like at times anybody can score the ball from anywhere. We saw it against the Hoosiers. We saw it again tonight. And the Cougars, again, they've just been kind of so up and down. They have that same threat. But when guys aren't getting involved, we've seen how long before, Robert, this season, it takes Sasser to get involved in the offense. We've seen how long it takes Jairus to kind of get a feel for things offensively. And if Shed ain't cooking, then you got some real problems. And unfortunately, he wasn't cooking in the first half for them tonight. And the deficit was just too large to overcome in the second half. Was there anything that Kelvin could have done differently? Was there anything you didn't like about his game plan? Could he have changed the pace at all with Miami? Was it possible? Yeah, no, I, I really, I really would have liked to have seen him settle his defense down again, and you know, kind of collapse in towards the paint a little bit more, sag off of the uh, defender, uh, the, the the perimeter defense a little bit, because if you get beat off the dribble and you're spread so far out. Again, we saw how it hurt the Cougars tonight. They were late. They got in foul trouble coming over to contest shots inside the paint. That was an issue. If you're able to sag off the defense a little bit and switch and your help defense is just even a couple of three steps closer, then I think that makes all the difference in the world because, you know, Miami obviously had no problem chucking up the threes tonight. And again, they hit a lot of contested shots, but they hit some shots that weren't contested because the Cougars, when you get beat off the dribble, Anxiety sets in, you try to collapse the defense, and a good, disciplined, smart team is going to make that extra pass and find that open man, which is what the Hurricanes did tonight. I would have liked to have seen some defensive um, you know, adjustments by Kelvin Sampson. Offensively, look, I, I, I think the Cougars, you know, Kelvin probably talking about it right now as we speak. The ball, he's going to say, got sticky. And they did a really good job of spacing, which I never think is an issue for the Cougars offensively. Spacing is one thing, but movement away from the ball is everything. And too many times, particularly in the second half, it just got really stagnant, Robert. And when that happens and you're not hitting your perimeter shots or you're not getting those floaters in the lane to go, if you're Walker or Shed or Sasser, it's a problem. Yeah, one of the things that made me think of when I was just, you know, pondering the end of the Cougar season as we sit here today, is this feels a lot like the 2019 Astros. It looked like everything was there. You had all the guys that yep. you needed. It was all set up. You you were going to be playing at home for the Final Four. Uh, it, it was the perfect scenario with the way it was all setting up. Number one, practically the entire season, uh, there, there did not seem to be a weakness on this team because you had a McDonald's All-American. You had three veteran guards. I mean, it, it, it was perfect. And I, you know, it's just weird because after all those years where the Cougs couldn't even get into the NCAA tournament, it's so strange to go, man, a Sweet 16. That's a huge disappointment, isn't it? We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's a disappointment if, if what? The Cougars don't advance to the Elite Eight. If they don't advance to the Final Four, is it a disappointment only if they're uh, you know, not in, not in the championship game or losing in the championship. What is it? What is a disappointment? And I said, it really doesn't matter, like, where they get bounced. It's how they play when they do. And Did you like the energy that they had in this game? I, I, I liked the energy. I didn't like the disappointment. 
And that's a little bit on the coaching and that's a little bit on the players. And it goes back to my previous point, just about like the lack of adjustments defensively and, you know, somewhat offensively as well. Um, I thought they could have attacked the basket even more and forced the issue and tried uh, to get into the bonus earlier in the second half. And they did. I don't think they got into the double bonus until it was around like maybe inside two minutes or three minutes, something like that. And, you know, when, when you're struggling with your shot, you know, at any level, um, there's a really great remedy for that. Um, it's attack the basket and it's doing it with discipline, attacking the basket, trying to get shots up. And sometimes it takes some barking at the refs. Sometimes it takes, you know, a, a little bit of whining and crying. But as long as you're getting the referee to kind of look at what's happening a little bit closer, sometimes you can make a really good argument and that states your case enough. And, you know, next time down the court, um, you know, you win that, that battle within the war. But uh, outside of that, like, I can't take anything away from Miami, man. I mean, I'm just super impressed with the way that they played tonight. I'm really impressed with the way that they played this tournament. Uh, they absolutely deserve to be there. And, hey, let's talk about the historical element. I mean, for crying out loud, did I see this right? This is the first time in history, in history, this tournament, that there's not a number one seed in the Elite Eight. Is that correct? It's the only thing you can feel good about if you're the Cougars is you weren't the only one team that got bounced. If if, if anybody missed it, I, I'm sure you didn't. The the Alabama Crimson Tide are out. I am not shedding any tears for that program. Not not a big Alabama fan personally. Uh, yeah. And and I tell you what, uh, Miller didn't play well for Alabama. Their star and he he didn't look good at all in the tournament, which uh, is really interesting because that affects the Houston Rockets and the draft. It, you know we're, we're, we go full circle and we're back here in Houston. I just thought that was a interesting revelation as we go towards the draft with the other question marks about his stuff personally, but. That's the, that's the only real, I guess, you know, where you go, well, I mean, I'm super disappointed with the Cougars, but if all the other number one seeds were in these elite eight and we weren't, it would be much more disappointing right now. And if the Cougars lost on some sort of last second shot or you didn't feel yeah. like, man, that other team didn't bring it, Miami yeah. brought it. They crushed us. They deserved it. They kicked their butt. Like you said, they deserved it, Sean. They absolutely did. Yeah. And look, it, it, it's disappointing. We were going to be disappointed because we were talking about this team um, being the clear cut favorite. And I even told you, like, I don't ever like having the, the big target on your back, you know, when, when you're a fan of a team, because. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, I, I don't know when, I don't know if it was preseason or not, but very early on in the regular season, you know, the Cougars were the favorite to win the whole darn thing. And I just, I dread that sort of thing because look, I, I've dabbled in gambling and I pay way more attention to it than I actually allow my money uh, to be on the line for it. But I do know this much. If you're the favorite, the chances of you winning the whole thing, no matter what level or what sport you're in, are slim to none. And so I didn't like it for that fact. Um, but covering this team as closely as I did for the last three months, um, I really believed, you know, um, Samson when he spoke, because, you know, he's watching a lot more basketball than I am. I'm just trying to do my very best to cover this team in this city for us um, and for the fans. And so I'm not watching everybody probably like, you know, he is, or obviously the scouting department. But when he says, hey, look, and he said it a number of times this regular season. There ain't a great team out there. We're not a great team. We could be. And there could be some great teams out there. But we ain't there yet. And they're not there yet. And I felt like about the last two weeks going into the conference tournament, 
that the Cougars were playing the best basketball that they had all season. And that's nothing different than what I'd seen over the course of the last four or five years from this basketball team is it's about a ramp up period. They understand the, the, the journey, they understand the goal at hand, the objective, and that is to be as healthy as possible and to be playing as best basketball as possible. And they talked about it. if they were talking, hey, we need to be a better rebounding team. You know what they did the next time out? They were the best rebounding team on the court. If they needed to be better movers of the ball offensively, then you know what? They moved the ball. They clicked on all cylinders offensively. We need to be better free throw shooters. They went out and did that. They checked the boxes, man, coming into this tournament. And I really felt like, you know what? They're the team to beat until you see everybody else play. And Alabama losing to San Diego State, that's a damn good team. That's probably legitimately the second best team all season long up until tonight in the entire country next to the Cougars. And they got beat by San Diego State. And the Cougars got beat by a better team on this night, the Miami Hurricanes. Alabama was the number one of the number ones. So they were considered the best team going into the tournament. Yep. And Sean, the Cougars finished what, 33 and four this year. So they're, they're four losses, Memphis, so, yeah. uh, Miami, Alabama. And then there, what was the other conference loss? Was that uh, Cincinnati? Was, uh, 33 and four. Um, was, yeah, they so, lost to, uh, they lost to Alabama once they lost to Memphis uh once which was in the conference yeah yeah the, i'm trying to remember the other conference game that they lost but then they lose to temple or cincinnati or some weird wichita state or something, something uh, like they that. lost to temple yes and then uh they lost to virginia that's the four virginia. no not not virginia uh, they the, west, the only other loss is today so you know, west virginia oh yeah today yeah 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 oh no yeah they went uh they lost to alabama and then they ended up beating Virginia or West Virginia, whichever one of those. It was the, the like fourth or fifth ranked team, something like that at the time. Um, so, yeah, there's their four losses. I mean, and look, Temple was a really good team, even when they lost to them. You know, um, it, 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 it's again, it sparked the conversation, you know, and Kelvin Sampson really started. It's like, hey, you know, we play in a really, a really underrated conference. And I know a lot of coaches are going to say those sorts of things. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, if you watched, you know, AAC basketball, you know, even a little bit this year. I mean, you do see. Just look at the talent. Don't look at just the the the, the box scores or the standings. I mean, watch watch some of these games. Look at the talent that you know the Cougars are going up against, and compare them that way. When you're talking about a potential lottery pick in Jarris Walker, when you're talking about the freshman player of the year within that conference, when you're talking about you know another really top point guard in college basketball, Jamal Shedd, and you're talking about one of the best shooting guards in all the college basketball, and Marcus Sasser. Yeah, look at the problems that they had, you know, going up against just teams in their own conference. It's not the coaching, <laughs> okay? And it's not that the fact that the Cougars are overrated. I mean, they were number number one in the country three different times this year, Robert. That's not by accident. That was on purpose, and they deserved every single one of those opportunities, and probably more so when Purdue hopscotched them, you know, once earlier this year. And we all kind of knew that they were fraudulent going into this tournament, but um, you know, you can't take anything away from the Cougars and you certainly can't take anything away from the Miami Hurricanes. It's unfortunate, you know, tonight the Hurricanes were a better basketball team. I'm going to be interested to see what this, what the future again looks like for the Cougars because Samson likes to talk about this all the time. You know, for what, three straight years, they lost four starters in a row. And what team in the entire country, you know, could say that, that not hasn't just taken a step back, but arguably has gotten better and better. 
and better each of those last three years. So I want to see what this offseason looks like for them and what the 23-24 season has in store for the Cougars. Yeah, it's weird. You could say they lost starters from last year's team, but we got to remember that Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser were starters a couple of years ago. So it's a little bit of a mixed narrative, if you will, on that. And and it's, you know, it's going to be a whole new team basically next year, right? I mean, we got a lot of guys that are gone. Marcus Sasser, gone. Jarris Walker, gone. Jamal Shedd, gone. Uh, Tremont Mark, where, where is he? I think he's got another year left. I think uh, uh, Mark, I know he has at least a year left, but Shed's a junior. He'll be a senior. I don't know what he's going to do. Oh, I, I didn't even that, think about that. That's he's, he's, it seems like he's been here for like 10 years yeah. or so. Yeah. You know, I guess, I mean, he doesn't exactly feel like that dude, Timmy from Gonzaga, who I think should probably be getting paychecks by now. I feel like that dude's, you know, like 30 years old. He's almost like, He's probably applied for every possible exemption there is. You know, COVID, I know, helped everybody get that extra year of eligibility. But, you know, that damn dude, I'm tired of seeing him in a Gonzaga uniform, that's for sure. But, yeah, depending on what Shed decides to do via the draft, I mean, um, I I think it's in his best interest to return for a senior season. I think, to be quite honest with you, I mean, you talk about being a lottery pick, and maybe this is more selfish reasons than not, but um, Jairus Walker, I think, would benefit greatly from returning for another year before thinking about making that jump. And I know um, it's a little bit easier of a decision when you're I, in a situation. You're not, like you're not going to benefit. You're going to benefit greatly going to the NBA. But look, man, the guy's going to be picked in the top seven or eight in the I draft. Know. And you, you don't get much better than that. There, there could be an injury. You know, you never know what could happen uh, next year. And, you know, I'm yeah. Not talking a, about benefiting from your draft status. Uh, you know, we know uh, the, a, a player is going to play and the talent's going to stand out and the team, you know, that uh, has a good acumen for handpicking superstars or stars or impact players for the next level. They're going to find those guys early if they're out there. But I'm just saying, I think he could improve his what? game. Everybody, um, you could say that about all these guys, but let me, I just want to say, Kelvin Sampson gets these guys more prepared than any True. coach around and Jarris Walker more than most guys is going to be ready to play defense. He's going to be ready to rebound. He's going to be ready to fight for loose balls. You know, we're watching the Rockets on a nightly basis and you see guys that came out of college or came out of the G league or whatever, and they weren't ready for any of that. And, you know, you look at what the Cougars have done when they've gone to the NBA guys that you, you didn't even think had a real good shot to make any sort of impact. And look at a guy like Quentin Grimes. And he's turned himself into a a darn good player, somebody that was untouchable in a Donovan Mitchell trade with the Utah Jazz in the offseason. They were like, yeah, I don't know if we want to give up him. That was a lot of the rumor for Quentin Grimes. So, you know, it's like Kelvin Sampson guys are more ready than most guys. And, you know, can can Jairus Walker, yeah, can he get more ready? Sure. But I'm watching a lot of these guys in the tournament not perform anywhere close to Jarris Walker. I'm like, these guys are going to the NBA. I'm not talking about Miller either. I'm talking about, you know, some, some players that a couple guys at Arkansas, uh, Nick Smith is a lottery pick supposedly, or was, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple of months ago. I don't mm-hmm. know if he still is after all this, there's some guys that have kind of disappeared, you know, uh, Grady Dick was shut down, you know, in, in, with Kansas and, and, and they got kicked out way before Houston did. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you look around and he looks about as prepared as anybody uh last word on the Cougs before we wrap it up should be proud of a man um you know 
again, I think the future is bright over there. They've been on the map. Nothing has put them on the map this year. I mean, you've paid attention to them because they've been the number one team in the nation, you know, three different instances. Um, and they went through a fourth straight Sweet 16. So, you know, is the best yet to come? Sure. You know what? The best is, you know, hoisting that trophy and cutting the nets down, um, you know, for the final game of the season. I, I think, you know what? Until proven otherwise, the best is yet to come. Because as long as Kelvin Sampson is there and he's hungry, and I don't really have a reason to believe that he's not until he finishes his job, um, the one that he set out for, the one that you know, Robert, at this point in time, he can just taste it. Um, he wants that title, and I think he wants it in a bad way. What's going to happen first? You know, him turning the program over to his son or, you know, him – reaching that end goal of cutting the nets down. And unfortunately, it won't be here in Houston, but you know what? I don't give a damn. I just want him to cut the nets down somewhere else uh, just so long it's in the final game of the season that he does it. So I think the future's bright, and that's all I'm going to say. Just um, we've seen players come and go over the course of the last, you know, three, four years in this program. And again, so long as that staff is intact, the training staff is there, and Tillman Fertitta and Arena Couture continue to uh, – you know, get donors and, you know, uh, support that program with the resources and the amenities they need, they're not going to go anywhere. Big 12 next year, by the way, too. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun across uh, the board. Yeah, it's going to be like these tournament games pretty much every game of the season during the conference play for sure. So. Yeah, and I'll tell you this much, you know, it's already the loudest venue in the city that holds 7,000 fans. It's the loudest 7,000 people you're here in your life. You know, Fertitta Center is fantastic. So the Big 12 won't bolster that much um, because it's already crazy no matter who you're playing. If it's a, you know, a two-win club or a 20-win ball club coming into Fertitta Center, don't matter. It's awesome atmosphere. But it's going to be a great deal for, uh, you know, TDECU for football season and hopefully, you know, gets a little bit juiced up at, uh, you know, Schrader Park. Uh, for Cougar baseball as well, but it's just going to be a great thing across the board. So I'm li- I'm really really looking forward to the NBA draft now, um, and really looking forward to next season for uh, some Cougar basketball. If you're a Cougar fan that is just finding us for whatever reason, uh, check us out. We talk about everything going on in Houston sports: Astros, Rockets, Texans. A few days ago, we had an exclusive extended interview with Glover Quinn, the ex-Texan, about a lot of different topics, including. Brand new coach, D'Amico Ryans, who he was teammates with back in the day. Also, we just wrapped up the second wave of Texans free agency in our last show, ranking the guys that the Texans picked up this week. Another really good week for Nick Casario, I thought, and Sean did as well. And then we're going to have an Astros preview of the season on Monday. So look out for that. We're going to keep rolling along as we get into Astros season. That's the next order of business. The two best teams in Houston, the Cougars ending the season and the Astros starting up just in the nick of time to save us <laughs> from, right. uh, from uh, boredom. But uh, anyways, uh, congratulations to the Cougars for making the Sweet 16 yet again. A rough ending to the season, but a lot to look forward to and a lot to be proud of in the last few years. That's all from us. We'll talk to you again in a couple of days. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us 
on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.